Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Good evening, everyone. I'm Laura Coates. And tonight, there are now even more calls, you guessed it, for Senator Bob Menendez to step down. But he says, look, he's not going anywhere. And he says he can actually give you an explanation for those envelopes of nearly $500,000 in cash, including those tucked into jackets. For 30 years, I have withdrawn thousands of dollars in cash from my personal savings account which I have kept for emergencies and because of the history of my family facing confiscation in Cuba. Now, he didn't address these on your screen, those gold bars, the stash of gold bars. He didn't address the gift of the Mercedes-Benz convertible. And of course, he is absolutely innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. And he is not the first lawmaker to even face corruption allegations. In a moment, I'm going to talk to former Illinois Democratic Governor Rod Blagojevich. He served eight years of a 14-year sentence for pay-for-play crimes. Plus, as you know, we are on the brink Yet again, of a shutdown of the federal government as of 11.59 p.m. this coming Saturday. And Speaker McCarthy has a pretty stark choice to make. Will he save his job or the government? Is that really the rock and the hard place that we're at right now? Well, right-wing hardliners are threatening just that. And now, well, Donald Trump. And everyone, she also spoke and broke the internet over the weekend. You see her right right there. I'm talking about Taylor Swift, of course, and Travis Kelsey's, but not what everyone's talking about. Are they dating or not? I can't really pretend to care, but I can tell you she has an effect on jersey sales. And could she have a role in another way on the actual Kansas City team? We'll talk about that. I want to begin by bringing in, though, former Illinois Governor Ron Blagojevich. He went to prison in 2012 after being found guilty of corruption charges. His sentence was commuted by then-President Donald Trump in 2020. Governor, it's nice to see you again. How are you? It's great to be home. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, I've, I've been eager to talk to you in particular because... You, of course, served eight years of your sentence, in part for charges having to do with the filling of Barack Obama's former Senate seat. I have been wondering what have been your thoughts when you have heard from a defiant Senator Menendez today saying he's not going anywhere. He feels that he will be exonerated fully. And yet we all saw those photographs. Governor, what do you say? First of all, I say that I didn't do what they said I did, and they sent me to prison for. I was sent to prison for saying F and Golden in response to an overture by then-President-elect Obama to make a political deal on a Senate seat. Obama did nothing wrong. I did nothing wrong. Eventually, the appellate court reversed those charges. The government told a big lie. And so I'm naturally very sympathetic to other people who find themselves in circumstances where weaponized uh, criminal federal prosecutors come after you. Having said that, I'll say the obvious, and that is that uh, Senator Menendez deserves a presumption of innocence, but I'll also say 
that I think it's reasonable and fair for people to presume that there may be some wrongdoing when you find in a politician's home $480,000 in cash, $150,000 in gold bars, the allegations of the Mercedes and all the rest. In my case, they never even accused me of taking one single penny. It was all politics. And there's a big difference between criminalizing routine practices and politics, which is what they did to me. And they wanted me to tell on President-elect Obama, neither one of us did anything wrong, and a politician who's got a whole bunch of cash mm. and then explains it away the way Senator Menendez did today, which is highly incredible, that d d discussion about withdrawing money because of his parents coming from Cuba and the fear that the government was going to confiscate his, yeah. his money. That's a, anyway, I'm sorry, go right ahead. No, My I was going to say, I, I certainly um, understand. We, you and I have had conversations in the past as well, and you have right. been um, very, very unequivocal about your own innocence. Obviously, we know that you did serve and there was a commutation in the end, but it is interesting to me in particular, given your own personal experience, that you still see a little bit of a turning of the side eye towards the explanation that the senator gave, even in spite of the fact that there are times that prosecutors can get things wrong. We've certainly covered a number of expungements and exonerations and people who've been freed under um, faulty evidence. This somehow feels different to people, though, and there are already calls for him to resign, even in light of the presumption of innocence and in light of, of course, the fact that he says he did not do it. But there is the politics and the fallout involved. Do you think that Senator Bob Menendez should resign? I think it's very simple. If he didn't do it, then he should not resign and he should fight. If, however, he did it, he should accept responsibility. He should seek uh, atonement and forgiveness and mercy and pay his debt to society. Now, do I think he did it? Again, as I said, when you find that kind of cash in a politician's house, I think it's fair to say there's something rotten in the state of mm -hmm. Denmark. And I think the requests for Senator Menendez to resign will increase as the days go by. One political party, the Republicans, are going to make a big political issue out of this. Uh, the Democrats are fi find themselves in a very difficult position to defend him. And so let's see whether or not he can withstand the pressure. I would say to him, Senator Menendez, who I served with in Congress, if you didn't do it, go down fighting. That's what I did. Maybe that was a mistake, but I, I, I know that was the right thing to do. And if you're him and we were both elected by the people, we have a duty and a responsibility to uh, fight against weaponized prosecutors who are criminalizing things that aren't crimes. Having said that, again, cash, gold bars in a politician's home. Why is it not in a bank? Why is he not putting it on his financial disclosure forms if it's campaign contributions. These are all very serious questions, and this is breathtaking corruption if, in fact, he's guilty. Well, his statements today certainly invite the prosecutors to do a thorough analysis of how that money came to be, how he was able to obtain it, the amount, the withdrawals. There's really, he created an opportunity for a, a map to be drawn, essentially from point A to point B, and it better match up. Of course, this is all in the infancy of an investigation and, of course, an indictment. They still have a long way to go. But I am curious, based on what you said, um, and People have said he's got to resign right away. Some have said, like you have, maybe go down fighting. But there's a lot of leverage in him being a current member of Congress, particularly if he were to engage in any plea discussions with prosecutors. Did you find that your, your um, tenure and your actual office itself was a bargaining chip or at least one that was perceived by prosecutors as a bargaining chip they tried to use with you? 
Very much so. They, ex they fully expected it. And that's how most politicians who find themselves in the hot seat like I did or, and like Senator Menendez does now operate. They use their office. The duty that they have to the people is put aside. They use their office as a bargaining chip to cut a better deal and to, and to eventually leave after they've worked things out. Uh, the former uh, attorney general of New York or the former governor Spitzer did something similar to that. Um, will Senator Menendez do that? Perhaps. But here again, I would say this. If you didn't do it, Senator Menendez, then you must go down fighting. You have a duty and a responsibility to the people who elected you. If you did it, you have a responsibility to not fight, to accept responsibility and atone for your sins. My position with me was always I didn't do it. I knew I was up against powerful forces. They failed to convict me at a first trial. They tried me a second time. No one ever said I took a penny, much less gold bars. I said effing golden because Obama wanted to make a political deal. And they, they did all kinds of things in that second trial that was corrupt. And as a result, they sent me to prison for 14 years, a politician who never took a penny. And the reason they did it was they were burying the truth in what they did. Now, there's good cops and there's bad cops. The people who did it to me, bad cops. This police officer, this prosecutor is doing it to Senator Menendez. He sure does look like he has a strong case. And if, in fact, this is true, this is the kind of sordid, venal corruption that prosecutors should go after, not criminalizing things that are political. And I know your audience hates President Trump, but this is the stuff they're doing to President Trump, criminalizing things that are routine and necessary in politics and government. This sordid corruption that uh, Menendez is being charged with, that's venal, that's corrupt. Well, that's the stuff they should go after. Well, Governor, two things. One, the jury okay. did not agree with your stance. And two, you'd be awfully surprised about the scope of my particular audience. I'm known for being a straight shooter, calling balls and strikes. And my audience welcomes the opportunity to hear from both sides of an issue and has not come to a conclusion until they have gotten all the information. But I'm glad that you contributed to that today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you very much for your open-mindedness and congratulations on your success. Well, thank you so much. I want to bring in the former U.S. Senator from Alabama, Doug Jones. I'm glad that you're here, Senator, because, well, not only because of your prosecutorial chops, but also, of course, your role as being a former senator. And this is a moment where politics and law meet yet again. And everyone, and you and I both agree, Everyone deserves the presumption of innocence. You would not be worth your salt as a prosecutor if you felt differently. But I am really curious as to what you think of the strength of the prosecution's case here. Well, you know, Laura, I, I appreciate you asking the question, but I am not going to I'm not going to opine on the strength of a case that I've only seen an indictment. I haven't seen I was not a grand juror. I haven't seen the, the, the all the evidence. And I certainly haven't seen evidence that's been tested by the defense. And we're talking about a couple of different things here. We're talking about evidence that can prove a crime beyond a reasonable doubt versus simply uh, conduct as alleged um, that I think uh, should prompt Senator Menendez to resign. I said that this weekend, but I just think it's really premature for all of us to really start trying to talk about the strength of a case based solely on a press conference uh, and an indictment. Uh, this has got a long way to go, and the, mm -hmm. the senator is presumed mm -hmm. innocent. That is a piece of evidence, by the way, folks. That's not just a saying. That is real, and, and he is presumed innocent. He will go into a trial with a presumption of innocence, and we've got a long way to go. He's got a long way to go. He and his wife have a long way to go, and the co-defendants before I think anybody can really assess the strength of his case.
Certainly, and of course, the prosecutors recognize that their job has really yet to begin. When you have an indictment, it's the beginning at the end of the beginning of the case, they've still got to prove a whole lot of information, and he has the opportunity, should he choose, to present a defense. One of the things that he is doing already in his statements is that he has given a kind of a preview of his stance on likely what that defense might be. And part of it is that he's been arguing that parts of his job as a senator are being misrepresented by the prosecutors, and that his actions fall under the official acts of a senator. Now, that phrase official acts we know has been a part of the Supreme Court precedent as relates to the former Virginia governor, Bob McDonnell. There was a question as to whether his entertaining of a constituent who wanted to have, I think, a nicotine-based dietary supplement, meetings called, a um, opportunity for someone to meet with the person and test on their own um, lab work on these issues. That was that case. Official acts were kind of carved out in the Supreme Court for that reason. But here I am talking to a former senator. You know what your official acts really were. When you think about an official act of Congress, of a Senate office, do you think that what is being alleged meets that criteria? You know, again, Laura, and I hate to, I'm not trying to dodge your question, okay? Oh, but, but you I, are. I just think that right now, no, well, I'm not really trying to dodge. You're, you're basing it, you're basing the question on a piece of paper. And you're also basing it on something that Senator Menendez said. And mm -hmm. what is, and as you said, it's a preview of his defense. But that's, there's going to be a lot more of this. There was in, in the, the case of the governor of Virginia. There is in every case. There is more uh, in, the, in the governor you just interviewed. There was in his case. Uh, he is still proclaiming his innocence. People often do that. I, what, what I'm really, you know, I really was looking this weekend for people to simply say, let this system work. Let this system go forward. Um, you can talk about the evidence if you want to, but the fact, and I want to emphasize this again, none of this evidence has been tested by the defense. And I'm not taking up for Senator Menendez on this by any stretch. But but, 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 but former Senator, I'm asking if lawyer. you, I don't want to cut you off, but if you would like the, the process to, to kind of roll out as it is, why are you calling for him to resign? Because wouldn't the, wouldn't the process because be I think that he goes all the way through a trial, that it would be tested in the way you're talking about? Why on that, earth would he resign based on the, that logic? That's the legal process. I totally agree with that. That's the legal process. I think we're at a point in this country, though, Laura, where people have such... Um, distaste for the political parties, for the institutions of government, the respect for the institutions of government, including the Senate of the United States and the House of Representatives, is at some of the lowest that it has ever been in the history of our country. I think that there is also a duty that people have that is a higher duty than just simply to yourself in that legal process. I disagree with what the governor said a few minutes ago. I don't think that whether or not you resign depends on whether or not you did it or not. The minute you resign under his theory, you're making an admission of guilt. I don't think you have to do that. What I think, though, is that the Senate uh, as an institution, its reputation is at stake. I'm looking at a bigger thing right now when the people of this country are really tired of politicians. Uh, that that or even are alleged, uh, as the alleged uh, allegations are here. I think that people really need to look at this, and I would hope that there are there are clearly factual allegations that are made in this indictment that I think would simply rise to the level that Senator Menendez, Menendez should resign. I think he owes that to the people 
uh, of New Jersey. But at the end of the day, it's going to be his decision, as it is ever. We're seeing the same thing play out in the House of Representatives with George Santos. There was a time in this country where the charges themselves uh, would likely lead to a resignation so that they could defend. I think that they're I'm just looking at it in a different way uh, and setting aside whether or not he is legally guilty versus not guilty. That is, and by the way, not guilty is not necessarily at all an exoneration. And then we have to understand the terms that we have as well. Well, I, before I let you go, uh, this is very intriguing to me on that notion. And I certainly understand the distinctions you're drawing between what might be politically the right decision and what would be the lawful legal process-based decision of things. But when you look at this taking a, a real step back um, and you see the accusations by a number of Republicans about a weaponized Department of Justice, normally they're talking about attacking Republicans. I don't know that the indictment of a Democrat actually will even that playing field in their minds. But wouldn't it just incentivize then people to uh, believe that as long as you have an indictment, you could essentially go down the line and figure out who you don't want to be in office under the logic of, well, politically, it would not be a good thing to have charges like this. Do you Are you concerned that this might, separating, of course, what's happened with this senator and the accusations, that an indictment alone could lessen the credibility of a sitting member of Congress such that it would encourage that argument that it's all being weaponized? No, I don't believe that at all. I, I give the De- Department of Justice a hell of a lot more credit than that, Laura. I am not that cynical about the Department of Justice. I've never have been, even in when I was defending people. What you're seeing is that every time, every time a politician, whether it's a Republican, a Democrat, or an independent, yet under the crosshairs of, of law enforcement, politics is the first thing that they claim that they're being targeted because of their politics. That is the de- the public defense de jour for anybody. It happens every time. We always see it. So I don't believe that. And I don't take that cynical view about our prosecutors. Not that th- there's not been problems in the past. Of course there have been. P- prosecutors are humans just like everybody else, and they, they have their faults, and they make mistakes. But overall, I think the Department of Justice, over the years, uh, has consistently shown that they, they are fair, they are impartial, and we're seeing that playing out right now because we're seeing uh, political figures on both sides of the political aisle that are being charged. Whether they are ultimately proved guilty is going to be for a jury, not the Department of Justice. Remember, and you know this full well, the Department of Justice doesn't indict anyone. Only 23 members of the uh, community, the public, indict people. The Department of Justice will not convict anyone. 12 members of that community will either convict or find someone not guilty. And by finding not guilty, they have found not that someone is innocent, but that the government has not proven their job beyond a reasonable doubt. And that's the way the rule of law is in this country. That's the way a rule of law should be. And I think it will play out appropriately in all the cases we're seeing, whether it's Donald Trump or Senator Menendez. I certainly hope that the pursuit of justice ends up with it being caught. Former Senator Doug Jones, always a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Laura. Up next, a leading Democrat tonight saying it would be a good idea for Senator Mendez to resign. We'll tell you just who that person is next. 
This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. Your Sleep Number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life... I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra-processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. Well, former House Speaker Nancy Pelosi tonight joining a short list of Democratic lawmakers calling for Senator Bob Menendez to now resign. Now, so far in the Senate, Senator Sherrod Brown... John Fetterman, Peter Welch, they've all called for him to resign as well. Let's dig now into the, with Washington Post columnist Max Boot. He's also a senior fellow at Council on Foreign Relations, along with former Republican Congressman Joe Walsh, who's the host of the White Flag podcast. And CNN political commentator Karen Finney is here as well. So here we have it. We've got these calls for Menendez to resign. Not a long, like, universal list, I might add. It sounds like it's almost like a... Um, it's, it's trickling out. Why do you think it's not stronger? Because I think there's a belief that if we're going to say that no one is above the law and that we should follow the legal process, if we're going to say that for Donald Trump, if we're going to say that for Hunter Biden, we're going to say that for Bob Menendez. And he does have the right to have his day in court. At the same time, that's the legal case, right? There's also then the court of public opinion where clearly some members feel very uncomfortable, particularly in a moment where, um, you know, we are talking about a former president. I mean, again, yeah. no comparison, let me just be very clear, to what is alleged with Bob Menendez and what is alleged with Donald Trump. No comparison. At the same time, I think there's a feeling that um, it's important that we maintain uh, a, a clear eye about having the public trust. It, it's important that Donald Trump doesn't get reelected. And, and this is all, you're gonna see, Lori, you're gonna see the pressure from Democrats for Menendez to resign grow because this is gold for Trump and Republicans. Laura's right, there's zero comparison to the former president indicted four times, indicted for trying to overthrow an American election. But the Republicans have done a really good job of blurring everything with Hunter Biden. The American people think Joe Biden had something to do with Hunter Biden. And now you throw in this Menendez thing. I think to a lot of the American people, it just clouds everything up. Well, there's, there's even a poll out. I think it's the, NBC, it's the NBC News poll that shows a comparison being drawn between Joe Biden yeah. and Donald Trump. I mean, 
Max, it's 46% to 46%. If the election for president were today, who would you vote for? And again, one you know has an issue maybe with the messaging on economics. The other has four indictments and <laughs> right. a track record that people are, I'll say it's questionable to be generous on that, on that notion. But you have a new um, op-ed out about how you say, and I'm going to quote for you, anyone who believes in preserving American democracy and the U.S.-led world order, therefore, has no choice but to back Biden in 2024, however uninspiring that might be. I mean, that deadlocked 46 percent, that doesn't look inspired. Yeah, I mean, that certainly causes me a lot of concern about the future, Laura, and causes me once again to doubt the good judgment of the American people, where it's true, yes, Joe Biden is three years older than Donald Trump, but he also doesn't have 91 felony counts against him. He hasn't been impeached twice. He's never tried to overthrow the Constitution or storm the Capitol. So, details, yes, details. My, my, <laughs> minor things. So I don't understand how people can weigh those two things in the balance and say, oh, you know, Trump or Biden could go either way. I mean, that's pretty crazy because I'm honestly not sure we're still going to be a democracy if Donald Trump wins next year. So I think it's pretty imperative to get behind Biden if you believe in democracy. And I say that as somebody who is not a Democrat, because I don't think there's a realistic alternative, Laura, because a lot of people are saying, hey, Biden is old. Yes, it's true. He's old. And I wish he were 20 years younger. But what is the alternative? Mm. Unfortunately, if Joe Biden steps down tomorrow, who is going to represent the Democratic Party and take on Donald Trump? It's probably going to be Vice President Harris. And she does not have a very inspiring track record in national politics. And I have yet to meet a single Democrat who thinks that she would actually beat Donald Trump. So basically, at the end of the day, the hour is late. It's either Joe Biden or Donald Trump. And you have to realize that is the choice. It's, well, not, I, it's not an ideal candidate I, who doesn't exist versus Donald Trump. I'm a Democrat, and I think she could beat Donald Trump. And I, have, and I know several who do. And I think... All right. Well, I've met some now, gonna, but there aren't I'm many. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to adjudicate that. But I also want to say something about the polls, because our own uh, CNN poll last week in New Hampshire showed Joe Biden beating Donald Trump handily. And I think we have to be very careful that the more we tell voters through all this polling what they should think, we shouldn't be surprised when we get that answer back, right? And I always think, like, let's actually do what John King did. Let's go talk to voters. Let's hear what they're saying. Let's let them tell us, not just through polls where, I mean, let's just remember, it is a snapshot. It is when you caught me on my phone and I want to get off the and phone, my kids are whatever. So, and a lot of people aren't paying attention the, yet. Yeah, to Karen's point, Laura, it's a snapshot when Democrats aren't engaged yet. Yeah. Republicans are engaged right now. They have an active primary. Democrats aren't yet. So I, I just think there's a little too much Democratic bedwetting going well, on. Well, you know what? Yeah. I, I see a lot of conversations <laughs> around how much you trust a poll, how much you get into the, the horse racing of it. And, and then, then the next tort is, but if you like that poll... Oh, you put it on your forehead and it's like worn everywhere. Yeah. But if you don't like the poll, then it's a matter of it. But it is very early. But I do want to play for you new tonight what Cassidy Hutchinson had to say, because she raised the question essentially of why more people were not taking the stand that I think Max just alluded to as well. Um, but she says it's kind of it's it's time now for them to take that stand. Listen. Now is the time if these politicians, these men and some women that are currently in Congress want to make the break and want to take the stand, they have to do it now. You, we can't wait any longer for them to do it. I don't know why they're so, so willing to support him. Um, I think it's extremely disappointing and it is not a hard issue to take. It's, we're talking about a man 
who at the very essence of his being almost destroyed democracy in one day and he wants to do it again. Now, I have to just, the elephant in the room, she does know why there was support for Trump right. because we know about her because she was still in service of the president as an employee of the White House on January 6th. So there is something to be said about the fact that she was able to um, last in spite of what she's saying. However, why do you think people are not more inclined to take this stand? What is it? Well, that's a great question, Laura. And, you know, frankly, I, I have a very low estimation of my former party, the Republicans, but it keeps getting lower all the time. Because if you'd asked me this a year or two ago, I would have said if Donald Trump were indicted in four criminal cases, if he were facing 91 felony counts, that would finally hurt his support. That would finally mm -hmm. diminish his standing in the Republican Party and the country at large. And it hasn't happened. If anything, it's probably helped him a little bit in the Republican Party. And that, to me, is just horrifying and appalling. And you can talk about why that is the case. But the bottom line is, it is the case. And I just can't believe that all these Republicans think that he is still fit yeah. to be president of the United States. Well, we're going to come back and talk more about this. But there might be one reason. I mean, what, on Wednesday, there's going to be the next primary debate. He's like Voldemort still. He, he is he who shall not be he named be in what's going on, everyone. He's not going to be there either. But everyone is looking more and more like the federal government will shut down at, mid at midnight this coming Saturday. So who's going to get hurt in all this? And who will the American people blame when they do? My panel has a lot of thoughts on this next. All right, count them, everyone. We're now five days from a government shutdown. And the question on Capitol Hill tonight, will Speaker McCarthy save his job as, well, Speaker McCarthy? Or will he save the government? And is that really the choice that they've got to make? Here's what we told our own Manu Raju today. How much is the fact that if you do cut a deal with Democrats, there could be a vote to push you out? Yeah, How much I'm is that not, driving I'm your decision-making right nothing now? Nothing drives my decision that was driving my decision? Wouldn't that driven my decision-making 15 times before? My, but you could you have cut a deal with Democrats, and that could be the end of it. Did I votes. cut a deal then? No, it's, it could did, be I, over. did I cut a deal then? When? When? For the, when I went 15 rounds? No, I'm talking about people? right now. For okay, but but, but let, me, let me explain something to you. I'm no different than I was then or before. My whole focus, what's in my mind, what drives me, is the American people. I'm not worried if someone makes a motion. I'm not worried if somebody votes no. Back with me now, Max Boot, Joe Walsh, and Karen Finney. A little bit of chest beating there. You know, he doesn't care. He's no. not scared for any reason whatsoever. Mm -mm. Do you believe him? No. no. But here's God, the thing. No. His superpower is that it seems like nothing, like, he, there, he has no shame. He will go as low as he has to go and then find a way to go lower. And here's the truth about this shutdown. We may, I think we're probably going to get a shutdown. Even if he gave them everything he, they wanted, they would probably still kick him out. That's how weak he is, right? And that's how strong Donald Trump is in this equation. Yeah. So, you know, that, that right-wing seems to love to embarrass him, and he seems to be able to just keep taking it. Uh, by the way, that's Trump's superpower, too. He's yes. incapable of shame. I, I served the McCarthy, Laura. All he cares about is being speaker. That, that's all he's ever wanted. Look, I... I 
I, I was involved in an effort back in Congress to shut down the government way back when. Um, it, but, but then it was all about, you know, a debate and argument about government spending. This thing now is just all about doing Trump's bidding. This is just all about retribution and revenge for Trump, trying to shut down the investigations from Trump of Trump is nothing to do with government spending. Well, Trump actually says, I mean, on Truth Social over the weekend, he said, unless you get everything, shut it down. And of course, it's a much longer everything. statement on Truth Social as well. But Max, I mean, is this a matter of McCarthy doing the bidding for Trump or is the real issue here that, look, it seems that there are those, and frankly, there are those who made it go to 15 rounds to get him to have the gavel in the first right. instance. There's some overlap of the people who are now continuing to be the thorn in his side. But we keep talking about this in this choice. Either he saves his job as speaker or he saves the government. Is that really the, the choice here? Well, I think he can probably do both because he's done both before. We saw that, for example, with the deal to extend the debt limit in the spring. And I don't think this is really being driven by Trump. I think Trump is just basically just, uh, you know, uh, stirring, trying, the pot. stirring the pot, which already exists. It's really being, as, as Joe can tell you, it's, it's really being driven by what a dozen, two dozen crackpot right wing members of the House Republican caucus who are kind of the nihilist caucus. They are the kind of the wrecking crew. They don't have any positive ideas. They don't have any real agenda. They mm. just want to blow everything up and they enjoy doing that. And most of the House, including most of the Republicans, are horrified by what's going on, but they're kind of powerless because the Republicans have such a slim majority, and so they're leveraging that to cause as much trouble. But at the end of the day, I'm sure that the, that the government will, in fact, shut down, but it will also reopen again because I don't think that the majority of the House is going to let these guys hold the country hostage indefinitely. I do wonder, though, real quick, Karen, yeah. do, do the Democrats be worried that their voters don't just see this as a Republican fault? Mm -hmm. No, actually. And having gone through, lived through the Clinton shutdown, uh, it actually matters if the shutdown is about something. I think Joe's exactly right. I think Americans recognize that this is about Republicans fighting with each other. It's not even about yeah. can Republicans and Democrats get a deal at this point. Well, yeah. we'll see what happens because, of course, at the end of the day, if people don't have what they need, the government is the issue. Max, Joe, Karen, thank you so much. Everyone, coming up, it's Monday Night Football. Taylor Swift goes to Kansas City Chief Games next yesterday. Usher is going to be at the Super Bowl, and fans are going wild. What it all means for the game of football, and an interesting twist next. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. So there have been arrests, suspensions, disciplinary hearings. They're shutting down graduation events. At this moment, the part of the protests that are admirable are young people calling attention to atrocities. Michael Roth is the president of Wesleyan University. I would like to make a space for them to do that, as long as that space doesn't prevent other people from pursuing their education. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Well, there's a frenzy erupting over one Taylor Swift and the Swifties who are cheering on Kansas City Chiefs player Travis Kelce over the weekend. Swift appearing in the family suite right next to mom, Donna. This is actually not about who Taylor Swift may or may not be dating, everyone. Although that's fun to speculate, I guess. But you know what? If you need more proof of the economic power of Taylor Swift after a summer when she raked in the big bucks and, of course, even gave bonuses to the people who were working, I think, $100,000 worth to each, 
Well, the sports retailer Fanatic says that Swift's appearance at the game, her appearance at the game, sparked a 400% spike in sales of Travis's jerseys. I want to bring in CNN contributor and host of Entertainment Tonight, Nichelle Turner, along with CNN contributor Carrie Champion as well. What a treat to see these lovely ladies on the screen <laughs> together. Hello. Let me begin with Hi, you, Laura. Carrie. Hello. Carrie, I begin with you here because Taylor was cheering him on during the game on Sunday. A lot has been made about even her attendance at the game. It was a whole thing. Well, first, I heard you earlier, Laura, I have to say this tease. You said, I mean, I could care less who she's dating. But I'm like, but really, don't we care a little bit? Just a scotch? A little bit. Just a scotch. Just a... I mean, I, I could just... name them all. So I, I'm pretending that I don't really care. I can name everyone, but that's fine. I have, I'm a CNN anchor, Carrie. I can't be I doing get this. it. But it is, it is, I'm fascinated. And Nichelle, you can talk to this just as much as I can, but the human condition and the idea of being so closely associated with celebrity really is fascinating to me. Taylor Swift wasn't even, a, she wasn't even a mention in football before this. And then as we have these rumors for the last month speculating that they could or could not be dating, uh, I don't think they are. I think this was a beautiful stunt played out in a gorgeous way. <laughs> but the idea that people want to be associated or near something that she has already blessed, as we see his Instagram followers go up by 300, some thousand numbers of people who are just now following him. Uh, there was a blog dedicated to Swifties who want to know what it means to play football because they hadn't paid attention to this before. And Travis Ooh. Kelsey is a star in his own right. He hosted Saturday Night Live. He is something special, but her effect is absolutely fascinating to me. Well, my husband and I laugh at the SNL um, skit about fr uh, men friends and the bromance and how they're so yeah. different than the way girls interact and women. It's hilarious, first of all. I hope, Michelle, they're able to pronounce his name, Kelsey, <laughs> after now the Swifties and Kelsey. But in addition to this, by the way, the Jersey sales, She's also being mm -hmm. called upon by a Native, Amer Native American organization called Not In Our Honor, looking at her presence, looking at the sway that she has, and hoping that she will help to bring an end to the chief's tomahawk chop as, as well. So not just about speculation whether she's dating him or not, but could she really have an impact on um, an effect on how people actually participate in the sport now? Listen, uh, Taylor Swift has never been shy about uh, speaking out on uh, things that she believes in, whether it's political, whether it's in the music business, whether it's women issue, women's issues, uh, mm -hmm. whether it's, you know, taking back your own power. So um, I don't see why she wouldn't if that's something that she believes in. And I think you're just seeing what we, we've been talking about, the Taylor Swift effect. When she shows up, there are people from all over different genres who will say, OK, let's see if we can get Taylor on our side because she is is such a spotlight soaker and whatever she says people listen to i mean the swifties don't play about taylor swift <laughs> they certainly don't by the way and you can just see there's a, i think her movies coming out too people who couldn't get tickets to the game i do want to ask you carrie about actual football for a moment though because there was a big blowout over the weekend a lot of people are talking about um the dolphins scoring 70 points and um, to the Broncos, 20, by the way. They had a chance to go for an all-time single-game record, but Coach Mike McDaniel did not go for it. What would you make of that decision? 
I thought that was even more embarrassing. I, I felt for mm. them to call mercy just at that moment and say, guess what, we'll just leave it here at 70 had to be arguably more humiliating for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson and the Broncos. In fact, he said as much after the game. Um, it is really unfortunate that we are watching in real time the demise of what I thought, and if we're talking sports in, in real time, Russell Wilson is a Super Bowl winning quarterback and Sean Payton is a Super Bowl winning coach. And we're watching how the game has changed and passed them by so quickly. What's happening in Miami is special, and that's what we saw. But him not going for that extra three points just to show mercy was a message that said, it's past your time. At least that's the way in which I took it for Sean Payton and the Denver Broncos. I mean, it reminds me of But Carrie maybe, Russell maybe Wilson didn't give up but... 70. The defense <laughs> gave up 70. Good yeah. point. That's a great point, but Nichelle, too, we already know Russell. I think that's a failed experiment. You know that Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, that Broncos team, that's a failed experiment. And we're three weeks into the season, and I know they want to try to salvage, but it was unfortunate that they had that. They had an old, old defense. They had an old offense. They need to refresh. What Miami is doing is so special, and you can you can attest to that. Well, you know what? You know no, what? A refresh and special. Refresh and special Nisha, I'm going to end with this because I hear refresh, I hear special. I think Usher. He'll be the halftime Super Bowl show. So uh, see what I did there? There's a whole thing happening right now. I can't, I can't not get to Usher. What are you looking forward to? He's going to be the performer now. All of it. All 13 minutes of it, I'm looking forward to it. I'm really excited <laughs> about this show. I, I think it's going to be great. I, the only thing that can cap it off uh, with with this halftime performance is if my Chiefs, and yeah, you guys, I'm a little biased oh. in this whole story because I'm a born and bred Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs fan, are uh. back in the Super Bowl again. But we're going to see, you know, we're going to see Usher do the hits. We're going to see him bring out some people. You know, he was playing a little coy today, but he cannot do a Super Bowl halftime show without bringing out ludicrous without bringing out Lil John, you know, we may see a Justin Bieber appearance because Usher, you know, he he found Justin Bieber when he was 13. Yeah. You know, yeah. right? we'd like to see um, Madam B be back on the stage and do a little bad girl with Usher if it's up to me, you know. But I think you're going to see high here for all of it. I think you're going <laughs> to see an amazing show. Usher is a pure entertainer and people sleep on that a lot. People forget yeah. like the guy has 18 top 10 hits, nine number one songs, and so many Grammys. So yeah. he has a discography that is worthy of a Super Bowl halftime show. Well, he'll already and be he's going to show right? he's a dancer. Oh, if you if yes. you didn't know that already, I don't I don't know what to tell you. Michelle <laughs> Turner, Carrie Champion, so nice again to see you ladies on the screen tonight. Thank you, you so much. Well, if he needs backup dancers, the three of us can be available <laughs> right here. Um, no, Michelle, you, Michelle, stand and applaud you all because I'm not, I've seen your workout videos and all your Instagram. It's all Michelle. I will it's not be Michelle. there with you, but I will be there in spirit. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> Thank I'll you, that yeah, person. Everyone next. <laughs> next, confusion over President Biden's vow. So I got to go to Biden after that. Vow to walk the picket line with striking auto workers. That is tomorrow's news tonight coming up. Well, before we leave you, here's tomorrow's news tonight. President Joe Biden will travel to Michigan tomorrow and actually walk the picket line with members of United Auto Workers Union. Although there's some confusion tonight exactly where he'll be going and what he'll be doing when he gets there. But a source says the UAW is not involved with the former president's 
Trump's visit this coming Wednesday. And in other strike news, the studios and striking writers have reached a tentative agreement, which means writers could potentially be back in work in a matter of days and perhaps late night and talk shows could quickly follow. Thanks for watching, everyone. Our coverage continues. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.